This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. All right. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Y'all Gay. I'm Allie Clayton. I'm Ever Maynard. And we are reunited, and it feels so good so good we had a really great time with the creators of um lesbian bar project we're gonna get right into that but you know listeners i'm gonna tell you right now i dibbed it it's my idea for a buckshot's butch bar and if i find out anybody took buckshot's butch bar i'm gonna lose my shit and blow your pearl i'm gonna blow your pearl off and you'll know what that means when you listen to the episode. <laughs> uh, Erica Rose and Alina Street, incredible filmmakers. And as ever said, um, creators of the Lesbian Bar Project. And you'll find out how to watch it. And everyone should watch it. We have to support queer, queer artists. We have to support. Also, it's queer history. It's queer history. Like, it's just, and it's just so beautifully done. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy, enjoy our. Uh, our conversation and next week ever and i will be back together just the two of us being goofs but for right now let's learn a little something let's learn a little something hey y'all hey y'all the tea is crystal queer y'all y'all say y'all gay it's alien ever here y'all we got a lot to talk about so let us ask you now y'all gay hey y'all welcome back we have got two very very special guests good friends of mine friends of ever uh the incredible creators of the lesbian bar project miss erica rose and alina street welcome y'all hi for having (laughs) us you're so welcome very excited excited to have you here thanks for including us (laughs) and y'all are both currently in new york right or yeah. y'all on about okay yeah Correct. currently in brooklyn. in brooklyn very cool the highland park <laughs> so of <good>. new york <laughs> what <laughs> it's like an actual big city i'm like no it's a neighborhood <laughs> yeah usually people say echo park is the brooklyn of la so no, mm. no it's changing yeah Times i just changing. i just yeah okay yeah, it's a new comparison. Anyway. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> I'm waking up. Uh, so let's talk Lesbian Bar Project. We, yeah. Ever and I have talked about it quite a bit on the pod, um, but you guys can probably give a much better 
description than what <laughs> I have given as to as far as exactly what it is and how it came to be. Honestly, I'm sure your description of it is excellent. So oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I don't I don't I mean, we um, I guess I can, you know, give part of the spiel and then Alina will spiel herself. Um but yeah, we started it, um, the Lesbian Bar Project started just as a response to learning how few lesbian bars were left in the country. Um, when the pandemic hit in New York in March 2020, we saw this article that NBC Out uh, published that they were saying that there was only 16 lesbian bars left in the country at the time. And Alina and I were, um, you know, very lonely uh, and starving for uh work as well because we were very unemployed at the time and uh we also consider ourselves very ingrained in the queer community and we didn't even know the numbers were that bad so we were like why don't we use our skill sets as filmmakers and storytellers to alert the public that this is going on so we launched a uh, 90 second psa in october of 2020 we raised over um dollars for the bars as well because we did an impact campaign and then, um, and that's also how we met you, Allie, through it one is. of our events. <laughs> yes. And then eventually we met ever that through Allie. Um, and then in 2021, we did a short film. Um, and this was all sponsored by Jägermeister, who has, they have shown up for the Dykes in amazing ways by being our brand sponsor. Um, we also partnered with Orange is the New Black's Leah Delaria. We launched a short film in um, 2021, another impact campaign raised over $150,000 for the bars. And then this year we raised, I'm sorry, we stopped raising money and we just focused on the, our TV show that we did three episodes and that premiered on Roku. I'm interested too in like knowing, did y'all, or have y'all heard of Lillian Fetterman or like, did y'all reach out to her at all? Um, Lillian Fetterman is a lesbian, um, historical like researcher. And she's written this book in the nineties called odd girls and twilight lovers. And it's the history of lesbianism in the United States. But then she actually wrote a book called gay in LA co-authored and it's, um, like lesbian history in Los Angeles. And she like talks a lot about the history of like lesbian bars here in LA. And I was like surprised up until the sixties, there were like 200 lesbian bars here yeah that's yeah. like our big statistic it's like in the 1980s there were 200 lesbian bars and now you know there are 24 um yeah it's and in la there are no there are some pop-up bars but there's no like official lesbian bars still Mm-mm. which is how did, shocking how did y'all go about finding these lesbian bars or like did you talk to any like elder queers or like you know did one lead to the other yeah well, we went first, we went to our favorite bars and like the people we met there. And that kind of helped the outreach. Um, and when the PSA came out, a lot of people were actually reaching out to us as well and making us aware of the bars that we didn't know about yet. Um, so it was just a really beautiful like uh, exchange of information that took place during COVID because people actually we're in a position of like wanting to connect and not being able to connect. Um, and these bars are not easy to find. You know, we created a, a map when we started our project because we wanted to make sure we highlighted all the bars and we could just see them on a map. Um, and then 
as we developed this map, we would just call up certain bars that we suspected were lesbian and we, you know, <laughs> asked them and just started relationships with them. And yeah, and then they would tell us eventually like, yes, you know, this is a space that prioritizes queer women. But, you know, one thing that we always say about lesbian bars is that um, they are for everyone in the community. Um, and uh, one of the, you know, factors of why we called it the Lesbian Bar Project was uh, because we uh, felt like, you know, it's it's a term that is a, a little bit of the past, but also is still acquired and just like prioritizing queer women in general. Um, and so that was very, um, that was how we kind of came to terms with that. Yeah. Did y'all get oh. any pushback on that or anybody being like, why is it lesbian? Um, I think we got some, I mean, there's always haters, you know? Oh yeah. I think, I think that. Like, what are their um, names? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have their addresses, Allie, ready for you. Um, yeah, we have their no, DMs. I mean, <laughs> yeah. That's there's right. always, there's always going to be haters, but yeah, as Alina said, it's like, we, you know, I think that in general, we believe that there's a lot of fluidity that comes with the word that is often, um, not necessarily focused on. And I think that, you know, we don't have to be so rigid and militant about our definition of lesbianism. Mm -hmm. It can mean many different things and it's evolving and it should evolve. And I think for us, it's like, it had the historical context that was really important, but it also, um, you know, was posing an opportunity to see how expansive and inclusive that word should be. And that's how we really framed it. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. ever you're non-binary, but mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I, I feel like you still identify as a dyke. As a, as I, a I dyke. like the dyke word dyke personally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I love the word dyke. I mean, that's the thing. It's like non-binary people, trans people, uh, bisexual people, pansexual people. They've always been part of the lesbian community, and we might have just not had the language or the you know correct terminology in decades past that were as inclusive inclusive as it should be. But I think for anyone to, you know, yeah, of course we'll get some, some, not many, but we'll get some messages from like TERFs or Mm. like people who really believe lesbian bars should only be with people who strictly identify as a lesbian. And I just, I just want to say this, Ken, before we continue, can one of you, explain what a turf is because i know for me i only found out this past year and i'm assuming some of our listeners that are in rural areas may have no idea what that is yeah so a turf is a trans exclusionary radical feminist and uh they are it's jk uh, rowling right Mm -hmm. yeah jk rowling (laughs) it's people who it's generally cis women who believe that um trans people should are not part of the feminist movement and shouldn't be included and identified as women i'm ever i'm sure you have more to say yeah on that i mean too like you know kind of like doing my own feminist like history research like especially when you start reading about second wave feminism and like not even thinking about um free dan but how even you know we think oh thinking about what free dan 
Betty Friedan. Betty Friedan. She, oh, okay. Um, in the seventies too, that's what started a lot of like butch exclusionary. And like, obviously like a lot of the feminists didn't want lesbians in it because including les- Betty Friedan. Yeah. Including Betty Friedan <laughs> yeah. because le- lesbians are queer people. And even like, you know, gay men in the Medicine society, they didn't want people that were explicitly out because America wasn't ready for that. So it hindered the cause. So a lot of Feminists were like, if you're a lesbian, don't worry, don't get out of here. But then especially if you were a butch dyke, you were seen as part of the patriarchy. And that to me is what when I start thinking about like turfs, I think of that history and like how much self hate I had as a butch person or a masculine person of center. So sometimes too, like. I don't know, like seeing the. um Oh my God. The lesbian bar in Arizona, it's called not buckshot. Um, boycott bar. Boycott. Boycott. Yeah, and see, yeah, that's honestly, a great name. Honestly, dibs on that name. Bibs, none of you dykes better take buckshot. I'm starting that <laughs> buckshot butch bar. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. But like seeing that it, this was, it was an outwardly proud, like masculine of center woman or a person or a butch person like running that scene, especially in that red state was like, hell yeah. Like that's a lot of shit to go through. And I think this could be another discussion because obviously we're talking about bars, but, um, but I no, want to, I want yeah. Alina, because right. Alina directed, you directed the episode on boycott. You want to just kind of tell the listeners a little bit about boycott. Yeah. So, uh, episode two of the lesbian bar project Roku channel TV show. No, um, yeah, is, it's free to uh, watch. About, <laughs> it's free to watch on the Roku channel. Um, is, uh, it basically highlights, uh, Audrey Corley, who is the owner of boycott bar. Um, Audrey has an amazing story. Um, she basically, it's one of those stories where I think that very young in her life, she could have taken two paths. And one of them was the path to reclaiming her community. And the other was a much darker path. And she grew up not being openly gay. And uh, what actually started saving her was her basketball career. So she became a basketball coach. um, And that kind of saved her because she found her community within the basketball team and then realized, Hey, I also want to be organizing parties so that I can be expanding this team to, you know, nightlife. And she was, yeah, one of the first ones to organize these lesbian parties. So boycott bar has been started off as a party. Um, I want to say like 30 years ago now. And really? Yeah. And it was Damn, like, Audrey, all- you look good. Yeah. Yeah. And it was all very, you know, hard. It was all about finding the right space and it wasn't easy. I think she had a space in a strip mall at one point. Um, we do show one of her old bars that is now a tire shop um, <laughs> in a very uh, tough area of, of uh, Phoenix where she, you know, you have to watch the episodes, so I won't spoil too much, but there is this element of like, you know, having to move, the bar because of the safety of the patrons. And um, yeah, it's, it's just amazing to have worked on this uh, with her because it was just a journey to her life and uh, where she's at now. Uh, the, the bar is in uh, the Melrose district, which is sort of the, the gay safer district. Um, but yes, it is the only lesbian bar there. There are 
some gay bars, but they are not, uh, they're mostly for gay men. Yeah. And I think our that's bachelorette really like, parties. <laughs> our bachelorette parties are favorite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we love um, being spectacles. I think one of the reasons for like specifying, oh, this is like a lesbian bar is because a lot of times when something is just considered a gay bar, it's almost always men taken over by like gay men. Gay men. Like, I mean, yeah. that was the reason when before I came out, when I came, as y'all know, the pussy hunt of 2009 that I came to New York. <laughs> I mean, I was at like Google Googling, like, where where do you meet women? Like that's when I was Googling <laughs> and it just kept coming up the cubby hole, the cubby hole. That's where you meet them. And so I'm like, I got to fly to the cubby hole because I was trying to go to like kind of like very low key would try to go to like a lesbian this. And then I would show up and it would bitch be gay men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which is fine. We love you, gay men. But. I wanted to have sex. I will say the gay men, <laughs> gay men love to take over lesbian spaces, whether it be a neighborhood or a restaurant, especially yeah. in Chicago with Andersonville. No, it's yeah. Not. Oh, yeah. Listen to me, you sounded like an old dyke. Been... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. But, <laughs> not, it's yeah. not free down anymore. Oh, it's my God. <laughs> it's remember Tease. So Tease was this awesome Tease. lesbian bar in Andersonville in Chicago. And at the time I took it for granted, I was like, this is a, this is a gay bar, blah, blah, blah. It's lesbians. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I wish we still had that. It closed. Did y'all but learn about was. Tease when you were? Because I know you went to Chicago. Yeah, um, did not. I, I personally don't know about Tease. Um, but we did get to talk to, yeah, we did get to talk to a lot of people like, you know, nobody's darling is, um, a new lesbian bar that opened up in Andersonville, um, in 2021. And, you know, we've been talking to them and they're, you know, listed on our website and everything. Um, and so we got to talk to a lot of people, um, in the Chicago, uh, queer nightlife scene and, you know, just like what has been happening for the past 20, 30 years there is, you know, similar to what's happening in New York and LA, which is gentrifying communities and like how a lot of gay men have taken over lesbian spaces and then, or straight people have just been taking over those neighborhoods because, and queer people have been priced out. So it's just been really interesting talking to them about that. And there's also, isn't there a lesbian bar now on the South side as well? Um, there, there's going so, to be so nobody's darling's dream is to okay. open a second location in the south side so that's their their goal eventually and that would be incredible because there's really i mean not that i know of or certainly not when we lived there there was no because the south side is predominantly black and there is not any gay spaces and there's no queer i mean maybe a one-off event like I remember like it kind of being a thing people were talking about where it's like um Boys Town was always like very like cis white gay males and then this kind of we kind of saw like a younger generation of black gay men starting to come there and people being like this is where and it's like because there's nothing they're they're traveling an hour 
to commute to come here for community because they don't have anything. Yeah, I yeah. mean, a lot of the bar owners we talk to, and we the patrons as well, they 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 do drive still hours to get to the bar. Uh, when we went to uh, Pearl Bar in Houston, um, Erica directed the first episode, which is about Pearl Bar, and a lot of the patrons there like drive three hours, you know, daily to go to the bar in the evening. Daily. Wow. That's a problem. If somebody can get three home, hours daily, that's a problem. Yeah. They well, the they, just, they just want to, you know, they just want to see their people. Um, yeah. Just Move to check closer. in with the fam. Well, or <laughs> well, a lot of them can't. Well, no, a lot I know. of them I'm can't move closer. I mean, we talked to this one person who takes, you know, works from home, takes care of their mother um, who isn't well. And then their one moment of the day where they get to be, you know, liberated is that, you know, two hours or three hours right. or whatever they spend at Pearl. And yeah, they drive 90 minutes to Pearl and 90 minutes home. I was thinking three yeah. hours each way, three hours. Oh, also yeah. like yeah. making a joke. I understand that there are socioeconomic <laughs> conditions that yeah, prohibit yeah. people from moving. Um, but also, yeah, it makes sense. Cause when I lived in temple, I would drive an hour to Austin for improv and then maybe, Ooh, wanted to see somebody gay, but I was straight. <laughs> I was straight. <laughs> um, <laughs> really? I was straight, but I would just love to see a gay person, but I was straight. Yeah. Before ever was I, out, I ever went through a blouses phase. I had I, a like, lot of blouses. I, I would love to I, see a photo of that. I, I can't picture it. They're gone. Oh. They don't exist and never bring it up again. <laughs> don't ever ask me. No, they're there. I'm growing out my hair right now. This yeah. is the longest it's been yeah, a long it looks time. Yeah, great. And Ever's it's going to be on. a 90s heartthrob. Yeah, I'm going back to my Devon Sawa roots. I had it for a little while and then I... <laughs> it's been a hair it's journey. It's looking hot, bud. It's Thanks, bud. Hot. Thanks, buds. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit more about Pearls. Pearls, I mean, visually every episode. And I thought specific... I mean, the, visually the Arizona episode. I was like, I had no idea this place was so gorgeous. Like... Um, Who did the coloring on that? What is your finishing house <laughs> like in post? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's um, all about the color. Gorgeous. Yeah. Ariana, shining star, and yes, that is her. Her, her, that is her real name. She's a shine, yeah, shining star. She's a yeah. Um, she's a colorist uh, and good friend of our um, DP Maddie Leach, mm. who is cool. Yeah, they're LA based. Um, yeah, yeah, they did a great job. Gorgeous. Gorgeous girls, gorgeous girls, well, no, gorgeous, just, gorgeous, um, gorgeous scenes. Yeah, it's, it's beautifully I mean, it's directed. The landscape surrounding mm -hmm. them, and mm -hmm. you know, we really wanted to make sure that we really showed the difference in in environment surrounding them because obviously, a bar in Arizona does not serve the same population as a bar in New York City, and you know, they mean very different things too. Um, yeah. it's a lot more accessible here and a lot more assimilated versus, you know, where do you go for the holidays? If you aren't allowed back in your home, when you're in Arizona, you right. go to boycott bar, which is open every holiday. So, wow. That's so that awesome. Really that really is. To us. Yeah. That's Audrey strange. puts yeah, on like a big, Oh, and I love, and I want to, um, <laughs> what, what is the charity that Audrey does every year? It's mentioned, yeah. and I even talked to Audrey, and I was like, um, you know, do you post this on your social media so that people that aren't 
in Arizona can donate to this because it's so incredible. Yeah, Tamales for Toys. Uh, it's an Tamales for Toys. That's yes. it. Yes. That, and it's an organization tomorrow. for uh, <laughs> queer families uh, in in Phoenix uh, that she she's you know she sort of adopts well she says she adopts them as in like you know they become a part of the boycott community and uh, they boycott essentially like helps them uh, through the holidays and uh, you know if the families are unable to have toys for the kids or you know school supplies then audrey steps up and makes sure that they do so it's it's amazing it's also really actually really interesting to see like the different forms of activism again very different you Mm -hmm. know in every state and that's really Mm -hmm. that was one of the things we really wanted to make sure we showcased because these these women are essentially i mean lisa canastrasi the owner of henrietta hudson is like a huge activist and they all are, but in a different way. And we wanted mm-hmm. to make sure that we showed that, uh, yeah. Throughout. You, uh, yeah. I enjoyed the community building. Uh, obviously food is a great community builder, um, as well, but even Which at it, Pearl's bar with that crawdad, turns, yeah. Pearl's bar with the crawdad, mm-hmm. with the fish boil, craw boil. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how often does Julie do just, that? Yeah. And just, um, it's just Pearl bar, just Pearl bar. Yeah. No yeah, apostrophe yeah, yeah. S. It's not no, pearl. No, no so, yeah. yeah, just pearl just bar. One just, special pearl. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, I get it now. What yeah. is it? What is it? It's the clit. It's the, the sacred clit. pearl. <laughs> I've seen it. I've heard of it. Yes. The pearl. Okay. Pearl bar. Okay. I like pearl it. bar. Okay. Wow. Wow. That's a lesbian. Hello. Hello. That is coded yeah. in context. <laughs> wow. Not yeah. It, not named after a clit. Um, but it's definitely, you know. Oh, um, so it's okay because I thought it, that it was is a name. Very, I was, like, I was just like, oh, it's named after her. <laughs> Those in the know, that's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, bar, not named after the clit has not yet, yeah, not named after absolutely the clit. not named after the clit. What is it named bar. after? <laughs> There's a long like story because it was like a previous name of a location, and I'm okay. sure like if you look I'll tell at what it's not like, named the, after. <laughs> <laughs> the clit. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that you know a clit association is not frowned upon, but you know, mm. yeah, but not strictly named after it. So. That's gonna be one of my nights at Buckshots Clit Association. <laughs> <laughs> Buckshots. I'm well, loving this. Um, I'm loving the uh, Buckshot, uh, you know, manifestation here. Honestly, I it you. would be great. Yeah, I could throw yeah. up my own pot. Uh, I'm gonna do it right now. I'm going to have a bunch of bar. So one of our biggest regrets is that we missed out on an amazing party called Clit Club in the 90s. And so just, you know, alongside our, our mm. clit names here, that did already exist. Mine are, now that's one of my biggest regrets. Okay, now here's something <laughs> I would like to pitch to the group. So what I'm hearing, there's a big through line of food, community building through nu- nutrients. What if we have a spaghetti night? <laughs> I'm sorry. Spaghetti night. Oh my god. <laughs> spaghetti so night great. at Buckshot. <laughs> um, sorry. I, I mean, I, I interrupted you. I. You were saying about we were talking about um, clits and oh, we talking yeah. about pearl. We, we were talking about crawfish, <laughs> which very sexy. Um, yes. 
She does, to answer your question, she I, she does she, during crawfish season. She'll do it every Sunday. Oh, that's so every nice. Sunday she has a broil. During, uh, during that's a lot of work. Season. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Well, I mean, when we were filming, um, it was like 105 degrees. Mm-hmm. And she was hauling ass, boiling crawfish for 200 people. And it's already and, humid as fuck. Damn. Yeah. And um, I have a great photo of our DP, Maddie, just basically melting um, because she we were shooting that like she had an easy rig on. So for people who don't know, it's like the camera's basically like strapped onto her body and it was fucking heavy. And she was she just was melting. And I was like, you know, holding my like little monitor and I was hot, but like compared to her, like she was like, yeah, it was not good. We were just like, uh, chugging bottles of water, but you know, Julie was, um, yeah, she does it every Sunday. Um, and it's a lot of, lot of hard work and she doesn't, you know, she has some help, but it's mostly her doing it. She says she serves other like great Southern cooking. Yeah. Now she has steak night. Um, yeah, she had done that during the, yeah, she had done that during the pandemic, um, as well. And that was a way because, you know, back when bars couldn't fully open, the only way that they, a lot of, in many States, they could legally open is if they serve food, which she was like, you know, doing here and there beforehand, but a lot of the bars started serving food, but she was like, you know, um, she was like, I I have the space and the capabilities. So she started, was doing steak night that got people back coming back. And then um, she started doing it again and it's been really successful. And it's cool too, because, oh yes. No, no, no. This is unrelated before I forget, but keep going. Oh no. I mean, I just think like, no, it's actually about the (laughs) restaurant. It was a lesbian restaurant in New York city that I think they had to close for remodeling because the building had a permit, but it was like, I was following it on Instagram. Oddly enough. No, okay. it was like this very oh. small restaurant for like lesbians. It was like lesbian owned or queer person owned in New York City and like oh, tiny. Mimi's. Mimi's? Nope. Yeah. Newer. Yeah. And then they recently had to close because Hags. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So I I'm so excited to go to Hags. But they're yeah, they're reopening. Um yeah. I think they're just yeah. Well, just like about food in general at these bars, it's really cool because it provides an option for people who don't necessarily drink, um, mm-hmm. which is a big thread in the Pearl episode and also provides, um, you know, for families or people who uh, aren't able to go out at night. So I think it's like a really interesting way of how these spaces are becoming more accessible uh, to many different types of queer people, um, which is really how these bars are evolving and going to stay alive is through those uh, innovations by the owners. Yeah. I mean, Pearl, that, ep- I mean, it, that episode meant so much to me, like as an alcoholic, um, I was sitting near one of our friends and they look over and I mean, I'm just like weeping, <laughs> could not like hyperventilating, crying, watching the Houston episode. Um, because I think a lot of times in those spaces, i because I don't drink, I feel very othered and uncomfortable and seeing Julie be able to make that kind of community and Julie being sober for so long. Like I just kind of like walked out feeling, feeling more so like 
you know, these spaces are for me and these spaces just because it's called a bar, that doesn't mean it's not for me. That's really beautiful. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I need a tissue box. Um, no, I mean, honestly, that's, what's really exciting about her and like her leadership and vision because she is paving a path for people who, um, you know, are sober and that, you know, they <laughs> absolutely belong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. It's I'm really almost beautiful. there. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, you know, in the ways in which like you, the perseverance and the resilience, um, that's really part of her story. And she actually just celebrated 10 years, um, sober, which is that's really great. awesome. Yeah. When we filmed it, it was, yeah, she was about six months ago. So yeah, she just got, um, her 10 year anniversary. How long after getting sober did Julie open Pearl? Oh, like a week. <laughs> like it was very yeah, that's quick. That's like, yeah, that's yeah. incredible to me. Like, yeah, she basically badass. had, yeah, she had the opportunity and she knew it was like a critical impasse in her life because she had them. She knew that she had to become sober in order for this lifelong dream of her to come to fruition. And mm -hmm. I think that in a way, one thing that, you know, I had been talking to her for like a long time because when we started the project, Alina and I kind of um, with along with our producers at the time, like divided and conquered um, talking to all the owners. And mm -hmm. I was, you know, I was talking to her and she was very open about her uh, addiction. And one thing that when we were developing and conceptualizing the show, which really, really became clear when talking to her is that she has, and why people call her St. Julie is because she does so much for the community. She'll, you know, almost to the detriment of her own self, she'll fight for others. Mm -hmm. But in also, in addition to that, what's really um, apparent is that the bar and that community also saved her. And I think that that's really a beautiful thread and a beautiful narrative and something that it's really kind of like, emphasizes our like thesis of the show which is that these bars are more than just bars mm -hmm. and that you know they have a heartbeat and the people behind them it's like really just like a reflection of the people behind them yeah very cool what was y'all's like i mean y'all go to any of the parties or what <laughs> <laughs> Like how long would you stay at each bar? Yeah, go ahead. Working. Well, it was, uh, it was actually very, because we were filming at night. So we were mm -hmm. filming during their parties. Uh, so no, we were not partying as we were working, but okay. uh, we were, we were living that, you know, nightlife. Mm -hmm. How long did y'all spend at each location? Like, did you, you're like, Hey, we're going to be here for a week or Hey, we're going to be here for two weeks or. Yeah. Roughly a week each. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we had but, like a lot of FaceTime conversations with the bar owners before we'd seen photos. So we we had already kind of done like a, a virtual scout of where we wanted to go just because we knew we wouldn't have enough, like as much time there in person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But obviously everything looked very different when we got there. In per it, was, it was actually kind of cool to see the just the bars for the first time after, you know, 
being in touch with the bar owners for so long. Uh, it's, you know, a, a space is something you experience in person. And that's why we're doing this project. Like it's, yes, memories can also be created on Zoom. However, sometimes <laughs> when you're in a space and you find yourself spontaneously meeting people that will change your life, that does, that does make a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll go to it friends was, and family. Oh, good. Oh, no, I was just saying it was a mad fucking dash. <laughs> like we shot like yeah, we crazy. shot it in June and July and it came out in October. So for those in the know, it's that's it's yeah. It wasn't slow and steady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a hustle. Um it was a really yeah, it was a big hustle and major props to our producer Katie Schiller who had to had an enormous job and then obviously our studio Roku who supported us 100%. Um, yeah, they, we had a very limited timeline and without their amazing, spectacular effort, it wouldn't have happened. Uh, I also just want to say that like for y'all, like it really, like so much, I mean, as an alcoholic, so much in my head has always been that like, you know, you go to a bar to get wasted. And like, I think this really changed my opinion on that, all of the episodes and but in making that, like, Erica, you don't drink, um, not because you have a problem. You just have your shit together and have migraines. But uh, <laughs> and then Alina, Alina gets one Aperol spritz. She's a little tipsy. So can't do much. I, I'm a lightweight. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really not about that. And I love that so no. much about it. Um, let's let's talk about the New York episode and Lisa Ganestrassi. Lisa uh, that's my <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah lisa did lisa open hens or did lisa take over hens she opened it so she was working at Cub the original og that's Cubby right Hole, that's right which became henrietta hudson it's the same space and mm -hmm. then yeah so um aline romagnoli the original owner of cubby hole um the space became available um, right around the time that Minnie Rivera, Lisa's business partner, called her up and was like, hey, you have this gravitas and this uh, electricity around you. And she was pulling it as a bartender. She's pulling in all these regulars. And Minnie saw that in her and was like, I think we should open a bar together. And Lisa was resistant. And, you know, she she didn't want to do it. Uh, but one dinner with Minnie and that convinced her. And then um, 31, 32, she, they actually just celebrated the 32nd anniversary. Mm -hmm. 32 years later, she's uh, still there. It's incredible. The lease yeah. on that <laughs> must be so good. <laughs> I know, uh, right? <laughs> it's so funny to me, too, because Lisa lives like right upstairs. So you'll just constantly see like Lisa and her hat walk in just the dog smoking back and forth um <laughs> yeah yeah she does still smoke right am i correct oh, about that yeah we had to take like breaks every i don't think she mind yeah, that thing okay. like that she we took breaks like every 10 minutes <laughs> cigarette you know yeah. yeah yeah that was you uh, know she needed her her cigarettes and her coffee yeah. um yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah apparently uh her staff was yeah i mean she said so she does live there. It's like if anything, basically, it's not good if she comes down 
at, you know, in her PJs, like that could happen. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, it's, I think yeah. it's happened very rarely. I think her staff said that it happened like once in their experience of working there for many years, but like, you don't want to, you don't, you don't want to be making, you know, mistakes because she could come right down. Yeah. (laughs) I love the love story of it too. Like that, you know, Lisa and her now partner, what was it? How long ago was it that they were together and then broke up and then came back together recently? Right. Yeah. They were, it was 10 years ago. They were, um, like t- 10 to 15 years ago, they were dating um, and they dated and they broke up. And then it was around the time we wrapped filming. Um, she was like, and I'm going to go see her. Um, and I was like, keep us updated. And then um, like a week later, she sent a photo, like a selfie of her and her partner. And she's like, back together. <laughs> love it. And, love yeah. It. So sweet. Yeah, and I mean, Lisa's great. Hens is great. But my favorite part of that episode is the, is how do you say, because I'm, I'm like, I'm oh. like, I'm going to say this wrong. The salsa soul sisters. Sal- yes. So is it salsa, like, like salsa? salsa. Sal- yeah, like salsa. Yes, because it was, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to try to say it, say it like you just did, because that's just going to sound racist um, from my part. <laughs> uh, so the salsa sisters, it, uh salsa soul sisters it was um, the salsa soul sisters yes i yes, loved was, them it was the first black and brown uh group of women uh that gathered in new york city um and so you had the the salsa because it was the latin women and the uh the soul because it was the black women and yes. yeah it was it was amazing to be able to to really connect with them and spend time with them. And uh, they, they so graciously spoke and we really wanted to make sure that we talked about this because a lot of the, um, whenever we talk about the history of our spaces, we have to acknowledge the discrimination that took place and there were race-based quotas at the doors. And so we invited uh, Cassandra Grant, who was one of the, uh, former um, board members of the Salsa Soul Sisters uh, to tell us about her experience. And then she brought in some other sisters and uh, it was really magical to be able to create this moment. And uh, in our episode, they they come to Henrietta's um, and they have this interaction, this beautiful interaction with Lisa where they talk about the past and they talk about also the future. And that was very Mm -hmm. important to us. It's, you know, understanding that where we are now is because of what happened in the past, but also there's still work to be done. And how do we do that? And so in that episode, we also talk about Gen Z and we really wanted to make sure, because one of the amazing things about these spaces is really the intergenerational dialogue. So inviting everyone together in these spaces, and you, you really see, you see it in every episode when you we have these great shots of people dancing and interacting together and you see all ages and it's just, it's incredible. Um, uh, so yeah, just to come back to the Henriettas, uh, that was really important to us as well was to show these generation of older women that are really like paving the way. And then these younger 
uh, amazing patrons and people who work at HENS that are like so excited and honored to be a part of it, but to also like, you know, keep, keep the show going. Yeah. And I mean, I felt like watching it, like even, I mean, obviously we owe so much to the owners of these spaces that are white and did create space, but I feel like we owe even more to them. Like what they did was even Mm -hmm. harder and took a lot of bravery and especially being in just from having come up doing comedy on the South side and it being so hard for me to come out because I saw a lot of joke. I mean, in the early like 2000s, you know, I saw a lot of the butt of the joke within that community was being gay. And then that's your punchline. And so I had this huge fear Mm. that if I come out, I'm not going to be accepted here anymore. And I'm, I'm going to lose these people I love. And so I feel like it's, it just from what I've seen and queer black people I've spoken to, and we'll have to have somebody on to talk about this more clearly that, I mean, just the balls you have to have and just, I mean, I don't know. Right. But well, I think that's why you kind of you have, have to, to have the pearl. <laughs> yeah. So the pearl. Yeah. But I think that's why you have to kind of, you know, that's what they did is they, they formed this, this sisterhood um, and mm-hmm. they gathered in churches and I loved that part of it and, too. You know, again. Yeah. Again, it's like, you know, it's, that's again, the importance of space and, and of those walls. It's like where, you know, what makes a space a space, um, what is a safe space? Um, and that was really uh, just that, that was how they gathered. That's thanks to those pieces. And it's still going, right? It is. There's like a new generation. Is it still called the Salsa Soul uh, Sisters or is it? It is not called the Salsa Soul Sisters anymore. Uh, I actually don't, let me, I forget what it's called now. Um, it's, a lo- yeah. it's a longer, it's a longer name. Yeah, I remember they they were having trouble memorizing it on the panel yes. when somebody <laughs> else asked. And yeah, uh, it's something with an oh god, yeah. Um, I couldn't remember because I wanted to try to look it up on Instagram. <laughs> like I couldn't figure it out. Uh, I think I, African ancestral lesbians united for societal change. All What's right. the acronym of that? A A L U. S C. Okay. I don't know. If I do, gonna yeah, be like, yeah. They, yeah, they, they have like a, a dip. We'll get you the acronym like that. They, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, some people will. have a little yeah. cheek acronym. I was like, okay, put the dots together. They were, <laughs> I, I just love those women so much. And I went up and spoke to two of them because I mean, just like the, watching them speak, and how passionately they speak and the charisma. Like, I, I, I felt like I was like, like watching like a live poetry. Like I just wanted to like start like, like snapping my fingers. I felt like I was, you know, at some kind of like live lit event or something. And I went up and just told, but I was like, I could literally just listen to y'all talk like all night long. And then I was talking to, I believe it was the, 
um, the like main Cassandra. Yeah, I was talking to Sandra, and I was just like, "You just you speak so beautifully." I was like, "You need to do like audio books or something." I was like, "Because I could listen to you all night long." And she was just like, "Because most people tell me to shut up." (laughs) Just made me laugh so hard. She was so funny. It was such yeah. Yeah. yeah, someone like we are, we're so thrilled to include them and incorporate them. And it was absolutely important in our New York, New York episode, but there's so much more story to tell with this also soul sisters. Like we only got to scratch the surface. So we're really hopeful that's about that. We all have to watch lesbian bar project on the Roku channel and we have to share it and we have to support it within our community so that they can make more. And so that we can continue to spread the word about yeah. these, because there are more spaces. Stories deserve, deserve to be, boys to be told. They deserve. Yes. Boys deserve. They deserve it. Deserve to be told. <laughs> um, Listen at yeah. bookshots. We're doing a spoken word night. <laughs> <laughs> Come <laughs> tell your stories right after Clit Club. <laughs> yeah, spoken yeah. words. Yeah, it's a lit club. Clit Club. <laughs> it's just a book club. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love it. Lit, I really like to get my like my leather strap or like something ready for buckshot. Like I can't show up and <laughs> empty-handed. Oh, trust me, you won't be leaving empty-handed. <laughs> I I went to a. a a uh, lesbian bar in Tokyo. There are two. One is called Goldfinger. It's a must. Nice. And the it's more of like a karaoke lesbian bar. And then the other, I don't remember the name, but it was very hidden. It was in like this building that looked like an apartment. And you would go in and everyone was very quiet and there were books everywhere. And I took, I basically sat down at a table, picked up one of the books and it was this awesome lesbian anime book um, uh, and ba- yeah, it was, it was kind of like a, and, and at one point the server told me that someone asked me what my name was from across the room. Oh my was, God. This yeah. is incredible. Whoa. This hey, is how it you, sets up. So it's the server that goes and connects people. So you're not even, you don't get bothered by somebody you don't want to talk to. I love exactly. that. Exactly. You could do it. What did you say? What did you say? I, I just I, I I smiled and I I said my name and I asked what their name was but you know there was a language barrier there so I didn't really go far beyond I did notice that that person was chewing blue gum so I said mm. ah bubble gum and they said yes bubble gum so that was that's another all moment. That, that's all you need that's all you need <laughs> <That's> <laughs> all, <laughs> like yeah then I took the gum and I put it in my mouth no. <laughs> Yeah. No, uh, no, I kept reading. I have this great. Actually, I took a photo of one of the illustrations. It was this this girl who was this young woman who was sitting down, and there was this really beautiful image of this other woman pulling her hair. It was mm-hmm. very sexy. So that's all I needed was <laughs> a little sexy hair pull. <laughs> a sexy hair pull. Yeah. I was like, a little, this is a great lesbian bar. <laughs> a little yeah. sexy hair pull. <laughs> um. We're going to have to wrap up soon, but I do want to mention where can folks also watch the, your documentary? Is it just at Lesbian Fire Project? So um, our three part docu-series is available for free on the Roku channel. If you don't have a Roku device, that's okay. 
you can just download the Roku channel app, or you can go to our website, www.lesbianbarproject.com and press watch now. And that will take you directly to the episode link. And we got a Roku counter on this podcast right now. <laughs> yeah, they better sponsor on Roku. Uh, this episode. No, we, yeah. Um, yes. And also you can create, it's very easy. I, I actually access it on my computer all the time. You just have to sign in. You just create an account on Roku and you can mm-hmm. watch it as well. That's another way without having to like download the app. That's incredible too. That's how I, I clicked on the link and watched it. I had no problem. Where can yeah. our listeners find you on social media, both if personally, if you'd want to share your personal socials as well as the Lesbian Bar Project? Well, people can follow the Lesbian Bar Project at Lesbian Bar Project mm-hmm. um, and on Instagram. Um, my personal, I'm Erica, and my personal is at EAR360 at EAR360. You can check me out. And Alina. And my, my, uh, <laughs> Again, if you don't want to share personal, like, oh, yeah, so you said this is great entertainers that I was like, okay, yeah, Erica, I thought you were going to share your personal, like your famous personal post. Oh, my personal, my my, personal, personal, my, my very personal, personal. I'll, I'll give us the private reading at one point. Uh, I'm like, do I know this personal person? I posted a personal on, remember when Lex before Lex oh, asked Lex. Lex. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that I, that yeah. I posted a personal. You know, I was I was uh, I was ready. Um, mm-hmm. And I uh, yes, as Alina mentioned, it uh, it had a little bit of popularity behind it. So amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It it was amazing. It did great. It was very well written. <laughs> Uh, yeah. one of my, uh, very best friends, Patrice, who is queer, I went to college with actually the very first person I ever told in college, like, I think I might want to kiss a girl and Patrice is who gave me the original DVDs to watch L word, the yeah. original oh. L word. Yes. Uh. Big, big part of my queer history, that. Patrice. Yes. I love you. But Patrice is, um a theater professor and teaches acting and had this personal that she posted that was like, it just said something like just a, you know, professor that's looking to get schooled or something like that. And it was like, it was like very, it was very hot. And when Melody first met Patrice, they were like, something about personals came up and I was like, Patrice gets like a little like, you know, shy and being like, <laughs> I was like, what, tell, tell Melody what yours was. It was so good. And then Melody was like, I read that. I'm <laughs> I, I so honestly, great. I remember that one because it was <laughs> iconic and yes, just, Patrice. Yeah, it was, um, that was a really popular one. There was a couple that like blew up and. Okay. I'll get um, Patrice to send it to me so that I can, so that I can post it because I don't think I'm giving it full justice. Uh, Alina, where can uh, the folks find you? I don't know so, why I said uh, that so sexy. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, so me. press one. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, at Alina Street, um, it's actually, it's E-L-I-N-A and street like the road. Yeah. Street like the street. Street like, like the street. East, yeah. Yeah. You know, like the street. 
And just they're going to lean to do great work as collaborators together, but they also have incredible work individually as filmmakers and writers and creatives. Thank y'all for coming on the show and hanging out with us today. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Um, and uh, we love your podcast and we're honored to be part of it. Thank you. Thank you. Aww. Yes. Thanks. Yes. All we right. Love Bar Project. All right. Thank y'all. Bye yes. y'all. Bye y'all. Thank you. Bye. I wanted to say that. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was good. Bye, Can't believe I said Bye. that. Was it a good y'all? Okay. It was yeah, a great, great. y'all. Perfect Thank you. y'all. Hey y'all, hey y'all, the tea is crystal queer, y'all. Y'all say y'all gay, Italian ever here, y'all. We got a lot to talk about, so let us ask you now, y'all gay. of learning new languages with Babbel. And if you want to learn a new language this year, I guarantee it'll be one of your favorite sounds too. It's Babbel time. Y'all know I have learning disabilities. I'm dyslexic and have ADHD. And I love that with Babbel, you can go at your own pace. And each convenient course is only 10 minutes. 10 minutes a day, y'all. That's all it takes to learn a new language. And with Babbel, you can learn everything you need, like how to have real-world conversations, from vocabulary words to basic phrases to culture. Like, y'all could hang with Babbel. Plus, what I really like is that Babbel has speech recognition technology that I think some of our more Southern listeners will love because it helps you improve your pronunciation and accent. Everybody knows my accent's thicker than a nine and a quarter hot dog on a summer night. And Babbel actually understands me, y'all. One thing I really love about Babbel is the content I'm learning is personalized. I get real-time feedback, tracking, and visualizations that help me stay focused and motivated. That's why 15 hours with Babbel is equal to one university semester. Y'all, that's the most university I've done. Y'all, it is 2024, and it's time to be the best you with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works so here's a special limited time deal for our listeners right now you can get up to 60 percent off your Babbel subscription but only for our listeners at babble.com slash y'all gay get up to 60 percent off at babble.com slash y'all gay spelled b-a-b-b-e-l dot com slash y'all gay rules and restrictions may apply Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.